I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Now, in order to be positioned for victory, the, the, the vein that I want to go in is, in order for us to be positioned for victory, we first must have a personal revival. And that is something that God has been speaking to me for the last two or three months, personal revival. And what's going to come out of you and I as believers having a personal revival is going to be next corporate revival and next next street revival. But since we only have 30 minutes, I'm only going to be able to highlight some of the things that God has laid on my heart. So again, in order to be positioned for victory, we must first have a personal revival. And when we talk about revival, revival is something that takes place in the church. When something is revived, it it means that it was once living, but it has become dormant or it has, has died, so to speak. So it needs to be revived. It needs to be restored. It needs to be redone. And that's what God is speaking to us in the church today. So we, we talk about revival, but we've also been hearing a lot about awakening, that there's coming another awakening to the world, to the, to the humanity in the earth. But I believe in order for the awakening to take place, we must first have a spiritual, personal revival. Now, I first want to talk about the difference between a revival and a spiritual awakening, because they're not the same. The words revival and awakening are often used interchangeably, but there is a distinction. An awakening takes place when God sovereignly pours out his spirit and it impacts a culture. Okay, we're talking about an awakening right now. This is what happened during the Jesus revolution or movement. And it's what's happening in multiple spiritual awakenings in the history of the United States predating its establishment as a nation. A revival, on the other hand, is, when the, is what the church must experience. It's when the church, like I said, comes back to life. When the church becomes what it's always meant to be, okay? It's a return to passion. I think that many times we overly mystify the idea of revival, but we really don't need to. Another word I could use for revival is restoration, restoring something to its original condition. Now, when I was a little girl, I had a beautiful um, hurricane lamp in my house growing up. And when my parents passed away, we went to the house and we decided the items that we wanted. Well, I wanted this beautiful hurricane lamp. Now, this is like 22 years ago. I took the hurricane lamp, I packed it up, shipped it to my house, and it literally stayed on a shelf for about 20 years. It wasn't time to pull that hurricane lamp out. It wasn't time for that hurricane lamp to be restored. So recently, like in the last year and a half, I decided it was time to bring that hurricane lamp out and it was time to take off all the old paint 
and sand down all those little areas of imperfection. And it was time to restain it, repaint it. And that's exactly what I did. And that's really what a revival is. I restored this hurricane lamp. It was one of my favorite pieces in my childhood home growing up. Okay, but now that it's restored, now I have a place for it. So I put it in a special part, a part of one of my bedrooms, and there it stands in all its beauty because it was time for it to be restored. I believe that the word of God says to everything there is a purpose and a season and a time under heaven. And all of us who have been doing this a long time know that we have been waiting for a, a, a revival that will lead into an awakening in the earth. And so there were many spiritual awakenings. I think we can not only learn from history, but we can also be inspired by history. But today, with you today, my FCM friends, I want to refer to a spiritual awakening in America, which was the Jesus movement. And this is one of the movements or awakenings or revival that I have on my heart to minister to you today. And I'll tell you why. This movement began on the West Coast of the United States in the late 1960s and in the early 1970s. It spread primarily throughout North America, Europe, and Central America, okay? Before subsiding by the late 1980s. So it began in the 1970s and it subsided in the 1980s. There was no singular person, and this is what I love about this awakening, there was no singular person who stands out as the face of this movement other than the face or the person and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, listen to this, and I believe this is where we're at in our crossroad in coming into this awakening. A few years earlier, on April 8th, 1966, Time Magazine, the cover posed this question, and some of you are going to remember this, is God dead? How many of you remember this? Let me see your hand. I know you can raise your hand on this format. Is God dead? Wow, what a difference a few years makes, especially when God intervenes. Five years later, after this particular cover, a 1971 issue of Time Magazine described a spiritual awakening. And that the, the, the magazine stated, Jesus is alive and well and living in the radiant spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans. If any one mark clearly identifies them, it is their total belief in an awesome, supernatural Jesus Christ, not just a marvelous man who lived 2,000 years ago, but a living God. And I believe that's what where we are right now. But we also have to look at not the negative. We have to look at the circumstances right now. Where are we right now in church history? Okay, let me ask you a question. Is God dead? A lot of people think that God has just disappeared and God doesn't see what's going on. And many feel discouraged and many are in dismay and many are upset. And many people are depressed. Many people think that what we said about this awakening 40 years ago is not going to happen. 
but I believe that what the enemy meant for the evil, God is going to turn it around for good. I believe that God has some surprises for us in this day and in this hour. So where are we right now in church history? Let's describe the circumstances quickly, okay? We, had a, we are in a pandemic. It's still, you know, it's still brewing. We saw with this pandemic, business closing, closing hardship. Many of you lost friends and loved ones. There's, there's been so much fear and insecurity. Hospitals across the country reported dramatic increase in alcohol-related hospital admissions. Drinkers consume nearly 30% more than in pre-pandemic months. Unemployment, isolation, lack of daily structure and boredom all have increased the risk of a heightened alcohol and drug use. So nationally, what went on nationally recently in the political realm, spiritual leaders prophesied things, especially in the political realm, that didn't come to pass. So therefore, and don't, don't tell me that you're not the only one because I felt it myself as well. Therefore, believers lost their confidence in, quote, the word of the Lord. Socially, the stress of the pandemic has, in some ways, particularly targeted women. Lower wages, less job stability, and the burdens of parenting tend to fall more heavily on women's shoulders. Let's talk about gender confusion. We've never seen a day like this day, where a person is born one gender, and now they want to switch their gender to another gender. Okay, well, what does the Bible say? Before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and ordained you to be who you are. The Bible says in Psalms 139 that he knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're seeing gender confusion. I have to tell you, it, it's not funny, but it's true. My daughter had to get married during the pandemic. And instead of her having her lavish wedding and in, 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 at the latter part, of 2020, we had a very small intimate wedding in July, July 30th, actually. And, and there was only like 25 of us close family members. And that was it. And, and when I was preparing for the big wedding, you know, I got the dress, you know, the beautiful dress with the long flowy dress and the shoes and the whole thing. And then when we found out she was getting married in July, and my dress wasn't going to be ready because it had to be made. I had to go and buy another kind of dress, which was beautiful, but it wasn't the same dress. So when I went back a couple of months ago to try on my dress for my daughter's wedding, that was supposed to be the big one, she said, Mom, Margie, her, her name is Sen. She said, Margie, she says, all of my clients, she, she says, they all put on weight. She said, I had one bride. She put on 75 pounds. It's been so much work for me because I have to alter all the clothes. And, and it's why? Why, my friends? It happened because of the pandemic. People just, just got tired and depressed. And that's the season where we in right now, are in right now. But so let me ask you a question again. In the situation, the circumstances that we're in right now, is God dead? No, he is aware of what is happening in the world. And I believe, like I said, that we're in, in the midst of all these circumstances, God has a plan for an awakening. God has a plan for the church. He has not forsaken us. He has not left us. He has not left us alone. 
those of you that have been intercessors, that have been praying and standing in the gap for this awakening that Brother Kenneth E. Hagan prophesied, though the vision tarry, the Bible says, wait for it because it's going to speak. It is going to surely come to pass. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie. He's the son of man that he should repent. What he has spoken, he will make good. How's it going to happen? Not by might or by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. I still have it in my heart. We are going to see another major move out of those of you that know me, that have followed me, that have heard me, that we are all have been in relationship with together. You know that we've been saying this for 40 something years. But I believe we are prime for an awakening. I believe we're right smack in the middle of where we need to be as a church. But in order for this awakening to take place, we, the church, must first have a personal revival. Um, a, few, a few weeks ago, I was preparing for another service. And as I was preparing for this service, I saw something in my heart. I saw in the spirit, the, the, I saw the United States of America. And those of you that have these kinds of revelations, it's sometimes hard to explain how you see it. But I saw the United States of America, and I saw the United States of America bowed down and depressed and, 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 and with the insecurity and, and the darkness, the gross darkness covering our nation and the instability and the unemployment. And the Lord said to me, Isaiah 60, 1 through 5, he said, he said to me, he said, Margie, the, the nation is prime for an awakening because I said in my word that to arise and that, 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 that come up out of the depression where circumstances have had you bound. And he said, I see the nation in that situation, in that circumstance. But uh, the, at the same time, he said, the glory of God is going to arise within the church. Okay, it's going to happen. God has everything under control, but you and I have to be positioned for victory. You and I have to put ourselves in a posture where we say, Lord, not my will, your will be done in my life. Lord, I want to co-labor together with you to see this awakening. But again, in order for that to happen, we must first have a personal revival, okay? Tory, uh, R.A. Tory once said, he was a friend of uh, Dwight L. Moody. He was a great preacher and he was an evangelist in his own right. And he gave this prescription for revival during a February 1917 um, address to the Moody Bible Institute. He said, let a few of God's people, they don't have to be many, but let them get thoroughly right with God himself and thoroughly right with God themselves, thoroughly right with God themselves. The rest will count for nothing unless you start right there. He said, let us band themselves, let us band, let them band themselves together to pray for a revival until God opens up the heavens and comes down. Now you and I know in this day and in this hour, it's not that the Holy Spirit comes down, although that anointing can come upon us and overtake us and manifest upon us. But basically, it's not that he's going to come upon us. It's John 7, 38. 
out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. The glory of God, like we said earlier, is going to arise in the church. And what is within the believers is going to come up out of us in the form of a personal revival. And that's what's going to cause the manifestation of the presence of God. He said, let them put first, first put themselves at God's disposal and use them as he sees fit. That's why many of you are um, in a crossroad, meaning you're, you're sensing God pulling you and asking you for more. What he wants you to do is to say yes to him. Yes to everything he has called you to be and called you to do. I was listening to Jeremiah Johnson the last few days, and he said something interesting in one of the CDs. He said that, he said, it seems like that those who are older in the Lord and in ministry, instead of uh, refiring, they many of them are retiring and losing their fire and getting, you know, giving up and just passing the baton to the next generation. I believe if we're not careful, we are going to pass that baton prematurely. And this next generation is not going to be prepared to handle this move of God, this awakening. And we don't want that to happen. It's time for the mothers and the fathers to, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not to give up, not to draw back, not to faint if we don't see visible results. It's a time for us to refire and renew our commitment and have a fresh commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and his plans and his purposes. And sometimes when we say yes, there's people that are going to leave you and things you have to give up and and times when you've got to say no to things and no to the pleasures of this world and yes to the things of God what does the bible say the bible says no man has left houses or brothers or mothers or sisters for my name's sake and shall not receive a hundredfold now in this lifetime mothers brothers fathers so on and so forth houses so I think we are in a season in this personal time of revival where God is asking us for more. I had a, a, a visitation when I was in Missouri and I was preaching along these lines. And at the very end of my message, I saw Jesus. And I, I don't know how to explain it. I saw the similitude of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and where Jesus was in that place of the wine press and the place of decision. You know, he was born to be the redeemer. He was born to go to the cross. He knew because he read the Bible that he, he, he read Isaiah, that he was going to be marred, that he was going to be crucified, that he was going to be unrecognizable. And he had a sense and a knowing of what was going to happen to him, that he was the lamb that was to be slain. And, and I had a, a, a revelation or a, I saw the similitude of that moment. And I saw Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, it was so... It was on him so much that the Bible says he sweat drops of blood. And, and, I, and in that moment, I saw Jesus in the garden. And I saw where he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And the Lord said to me, I'm asking for more. I'm asking for more from you. And I said to him, what are you kidding me? You know, what else do you want from me? You know what I mean? And I know what he's saying to me. We all know what God is saying to me. You, you, every single one of you knows what God is saying to you. But in order for us to move into this next phase of this personal revival, 
this is this is not this is not this is not going in the direction I thought, but we have got to give up some things. We have got to pick up our cross and follow Jesus fully like Caleb did. The Bible says Caleb was a man who followed Jesus fully. And we have got to follow Jesus fully, radically. I don't know about you, but I am not going to retire. I'm going to be like Joyce Meyer. I'm going to be preaching in my 70s and in my 80s. And if I can't, you know, publicly preach, which we don't know yet, although I'm going to live into my 90s, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. What we want to do is we want to invest into the kingdom of God where nothing can get in and break in and steal it and it doesn't get destroyed and moths can't get in and eat away at our treasure. I don't know about you, but I want to lay up treasure in heaven. For this purpose, we were born that we would fulfill the purposes of God in the earth. And every single one of you has a divine call and a divine plan and a divine purpose. And God is asking for us to say yes and amen to everything he's asking us to do. And I believe this is one of the keys for this personal revival. This is one of the keys for us to walk in, in victory. Okay, so let's go on. Okay, okay. Isaiah 40, 44, 3, 1. No, Isaiah 44, 3 says, I will pour water on those that are thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Notice he says, I'm going to pour water on those that are thirsty. You know, if you think about it, the only time you ever get thirsty is when you haven't had any water, right? So obviously, so when you're thirsty, what do you do? You want the water. You crave the water. You do whatever you got to do to get the water. And sometimes in the middle of the night, if I drink all my water, I have to get up in the middle of the night, which I don't like doing, and I have to go downstairs, pour my water into my glass, and come back upstairs to have more water. I just did it again last night. I was thirsty in the middle of the night, and I had to make the effort, get out of bed, go downstairs, pour the water. And of course, the dog gets up, the cat's meowing, the cat wants you know, food and Milo wants to go outside. So it's just a whole event. But if you're really thirsty and you're craving water, you got to fulfill that natural human need. And God is saying in this scripture, I'm going to pour water on you. You're thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. It's just like a person in the desert. If you're in a desert and you're in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, you know, what do you do? You crave water. And I think you and I are in a position in our time with God, and, and as we position ourselves in victory, we're in a time and we're in a season where we, you know, we are beginning to crave something and we don't even know what it is, but I believe what it really is, is the move and the presence of the person of Jesus Christ, not uh, a, a, an awakening with a name, a person's name on it. People are tired of the faces. The only face I want to see is Jesus Christ himself, because that's the only way that we're going to be changed into his same image. And we're going to go from glory, glory, to glory, to glory. We're in a state, we're in a certain realm of glory, but God is going to, and he is beginning to take us into another realm of glory. Matthew, you can hear my dog in the background, right? I can't, I can't get up and let him out because I only have five minutes and I don't want to waste any of my time. Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. 
My friends, you and I are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. God made a promise. He says, you're hungry and you're thirsty for me. He says, I promise I will pour water on those that are thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. He said, he said here, here's another scripture. He said in Psalm 63, one and two, and I already quoted it. It already came out, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, it says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I will seek you. And then he says, I thirst for you. It's a spiritual condition of thirst. So if you're dry and, and you're, you're, you, you know, you're just like depressed, so to speak, or weighed down, he says, yeah, that's a good place to be because now you're thirsty. Now you want more. Now you're craving more. He says, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you where in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Then he goes on to say, I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory because your love is better than my pieces. My lips are going to praise you. Okay, see, David saw the glory of God. He saw the manifestation of the glory in the presence of God. Just like many of you mothers and fathers, we saw moves of God. We've seen awakenings. We've seen what God can do. And now we're like, all right, is God dead? All right, God, where are you? Oh, God, this looks really bad. But you know what? God has some surprises in store for us. So I have three more minutes. So, so let me just conclude with this. My friends, and you know this, and we all know it. You are responsible for your own walk with God in this personal revival, in positioning yourself for victory. You and I are responsible for our own walk with God. Philippians 2.12b says, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So how do we contend for personal revival? Intertwine your life with God. Make him so Lord of your life. I'm talking major Lord. I'm talking dying to all the other things and picking up your cross and following him fully. Okay? Number two, um, <laughs> you have to contend for personal revival. In other words, press in. What does it mean to press in? When you don't feel like praying, pray. When you don't feel like reading your Bible, read your Bible. When you don't feel like doing your devotionals, do your devotionals. It's called pressing in. It's a, it's a position in the spirit where you say, I am not going to be lazy. I am going to put the things of God first. I'm going to put you in Jesus place in my life. We have so many distractions and here's a huge one. Even nowadays, when you go to church, you know, people don't bring their Bibles anymore. And what do they have? They have their phones. So they're looking up scripture and they're looking up the scripture. And while they're looking up the scripture, here comes a text message. Now all of a sudden we're distracted and we're answering the text message and the preacher's trying to preach and the Holy Spirit's trying to move and people are looking away. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, one and two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And Amplified says, and looking away from anything that would distract to him. This is a distraction. What's going on in this world is a distraction. We need to reposition ourselves and focus in on Jesus. 
And number three, lastly, there, and I've already said it, I'm going to say it again, there is a fresh call in positioning ourselves to victory, in positioning ourselves to a personal revival. There is a fresh call to dedication, consecration, and surrender. The Lord said, I want a new level of commitment to your purpose here on this earth. Again, it's not a time for you to retire. It's a time for you to refire. God has need of us in this hour. It says in Psalms 110, verse 3, says your people will be volunteers. Another translation says willing in the day of your power. My people will be willing in the day of your power. The Bible says if you be willing and obedient, you will what? You will eat the good of the land. So I just want to conclude with this. Don't live your life by convenience. Live your life by purpose. Remember, it's not what we will. It's what he wills for us to do. It doesn't mean we can't be happy and can have a beautiful life. No. But sometimes the things that God is asking us to do interferes with our comfort zone. So it's time for us to get out of our comfort zone and get into the zone of God where we are positioned for personal revival. And when we are in that place of personal revival, we will be positioned for victory. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.